Somebody's. Welcome back to the Introvert City, where we discuss culture, media, and faith from the perspective of an introvert's complex mind. How you doing? I'm doing so good. That's great. We up in the studio. Yes. We're back in How the studio. How y'all doing, guys? This is our home now. This is, yes. This is our part-time home, our one-hour-a-week home. Yeah. <laughs> guys, I'm 20. <laughs> yeah, Seth's birthday was last weekend. I just turned 20 years old. Tell them what we did. It was a super fun day. Okay, so it was a fun time because uh, this whole week, I, the whole week last week, I kind of was leading up to it because I was really excited because I'm like, I'm not going to be a teen anymore. Um, the day hit, and as soon as I woke up, I was like, I'm going to be 20. I'm going to be 20 today. And so my dad gets me up because we were actually taking my mom's car to get something fixed. But the place wasn't open, so we actually drove there for nothing. But we came back home. My mom was like, hi, happy birthday, son. And I said, thank you, mom. And then my dad went to get an oil change for one of the cars, I think. And he came back, picked me up and my mom up. Then we went to go pick you up. Yes. Miss Karina. Then we went to this nice little uh, breakfast uh, cafe with, like, such good waffles. I loved it. And my parents... Uh, Shout out to Mr. <laughs> and Mr. Frankie who did not like their waffles. Mr. and Mr. Frankie? I said Mr. and Mrs. You said Mr. and Mr. Definitely did not. Mr. and Mr. Wait, I need to hear it. These broken wings. Anyways, um, <laughs> I liked it also. Although I went back recently and I think my expectations were too high because I got an omelet and it was not super good. But I got French toast and it was good. So it's like hit or miss. Y'all, y'all, y'all read too much into it. The waffles are good, man. Okay. The okay. Anyways, really then good. what did we do? Anyway, <laughs> so we had a nice time. I actually really enjoyed our time together. Then we went to Walmart for a bit. Um, walked around there for a little bit of time. Came back home. Uh, they gave me presents, you know. I just want to say super quick that I love that your family does that. Like, they take family trips to the store. Yeah. Like, that's so fun. Because, I mean, yeah, I never experienced that because my brothers were always, like, younger than me. And so it's very hard to take younger kids to the store. No, yeah. It's very annoying. Like, even when I take my two brothers, like, it's annoying. But... Now, mm-hmm. like, you and your sisters are all adults, and so you guys just take family trips to the store and, like, let's walk through the kitchen section. That's my favorite thing to do. So mm-hmm. it was really fun to do that with you guys. Oh, it, that, that, it was a lot of fun. Then after that, we came back home, opened some presents, got some dope presents, some dope cards. Some nice things were said about me, which I get weird about compliments, but it's okay. I appreciated it for that mm. one day. Um, then we chilled out, watched a movie, we watched The Fighting Temptations, which is, like, Kind of a whack movie. I'm not perfect. <laughs> Which is kind of... Yes, I do wrong. <laughs> like, the actual plot of the movie is, is pretty, bad. like, simplistic. And, like, it's not an incredible movie. But, man, the songs go so hard. I loved it. Especially the last track, man. If y'all want to see Beyonce sing gospel music, just watch that movie. Um, Yeah, you took a nap because you were dead tired. Yes. Um, My dad also took a nap. Um. Then my mom started making dinner, and then we went out for a little bit. Starbucks. Went to Starbucks. To Starbucks. Yes. Went to Starbucks. Yes. That was it's fun. It's mango dragon fruit season, <laughs> you guys. Go get your mango dragon fruit refreshers. We went through some more questions because we've been doing this book uh, called 101 Questions You Should Ask Before. <gasps> should we do engagement? a shout out to the book? 
Oh yeah, and we've been uh, doing this book. Um, shout out to uh, our counselor. We're, we're right now we're doing pre-engagement counseling at the moment, just because we want to get some things figured out that we might not get figured out when we get married. That we'll get to in a second. It's about uh, pre-engagement counseling. Um, one hundred and one questions to ask before you get engaged, which I like it. I know she likes it. We'll give a little shout out to the book and a breakdown of pre-engagement counseling after Seth finishes with his <laughs> birthday because we did an awesome thing after dinner. What do we do? Yeah. So, um, well, first we came home and had dinner, and the dinner was amazing. My mom, she's really she's a good cook. Fried um, rice. She made fried rice and white rice. It was so good. And beans and sweet and sour chicken. And boy, oh my god. It was literally one of the best meals I've ever had on the planet. Shout out to my mother. She's pretty cool. She birthed me. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Mom. Um, We love you, Mrs. Frankie. Yes, we do. Uh, And then after dinner, we went to go do karaoke. It was me, my mom. Guys, this is the best time of my life. (laughs) It was me, my mom, my dad, and my sister, and, of course, Karina and I. Um... (laughs) <laughs> it was so fun was so and it was nice because it wasn't like in front of people that we didn't know like we did it our our local mall has like a karaoke station kind of where you can pay to have like it's around one room oh is that a is that a thing that's like in different states it's not just in pa oh well i'm stupid but anyways it was really nice it was like our own room so we like we felt very comfortable just yeah, being it was a nice room. silly and Oh gosh, we were so silly. My parents did their <laughs> wedding song. No, that was that was really precious. Me and Amanda, uh, we did Mr. Brightside by the Killers. <laughs> and I was trying to get Seth to do Satisfied with me, so I could be Angelica and he could be Hamilton. But I've this man really doesn't know any Hamilton, Hamilton songs, not, so so instead we sang um, Ain't Man High Enough, which is yeah. Didn't we sing dope. another one too? We did. Um, the one that I want from yeah, the song from Greece. And my, my dad did Everybody Wants to Rule the World, which is like his song. That's his go-to he track when he, whenever he, someone's like, hey, Sal, we're going to do karaoke. It's that song. He did a great job. <laughs> yeah, he did a good job. But that was a lot of fun. We went out, had milkshakes, yada, yada, yada. Had a good time. It was a great time. It I had a, a really great day. time. For me, it's like I don't really care about going out and doing crazy stuff. Just as long as I get to spend like my time with my family. It's just my family is super funny. So I enjoy spending time with my family. Mm. That's very important as a college student to spend time with your family, I think, because so many people look at college as going away and finally getting freedom. And don't get me wrong, that's super important. I think it's very important to go and find yourself and make sure that your beliefs are your beliefs and not just your parents. But it's also really special when you do live at home, like me, like I commute to school, and you get those days and those nights with your family while still exploring your own beliefs. It's very special. Yeah. So all that to say, I had a great time with your family, and I hope that you had a great birthday. Yeah, it was a really good day. But there was one thing in particular that we wanted to talk a little bit more about, which was our pre-engagement Yes. So Seth and I, for a little while now, have been seeing um, a leader at a church to walk us through what's called pre-engagement counseling. There's this couple that Seth and I are really close with who are also Christians in school, and we talk to them about serious stuff. We talk to them about faith, and, like, it's just really nice having another relationship to look to. Shout out to them. And we were eating dinner with them. That's my dude. (laughs) Sorry. They recommended 
pre-engagement <laughs> counseling, which when I heard it, I was like, are you guys like, are you serious? We're not there yet. But it's nothing like what I guess would be called premarital counseling, which is like getting ready for the wedding day. Pre-engagement is not even like setting a day to be engaged. Like, honestly, you could be years, you could have years to go before you get engaged. Yeah. But the purpose of it is to be asking questions to figure out if this is the person that you want to be engaged to eventually. So Mm -hmm. our counselor gave us a book called 101 Questions to Ask Before Getting Engaged. Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts on it? Because let me tell you, it's been definitely at first when we went through the first few questions, I was nervous. Because there, the, the, well, there's a there's like a preface, I guess you call it, or like, what do you, what do you, what do you call? It's an intro, chapter, chapter one, it, and then the the rest of chapter two is just all questions. Yeah, so chapter one was basically just going through certain issues you might find, certain things that might make a good relationship, certain things that might be, make a bad relationship, and the first chapter I was pleasantly surprised to say, we're pretty pretty dope. No, yeah, we were <laughs> reading the first chapter and we were like, thank I was goodness. Nervous. Because we were like, this is either going to make us feel really insecure about our relationship or really secure. But Mm -hmm. all the things they were listing, we were like, okay, we feel very secure to begin the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm not going to lie. Me personally, I was like, she's going to break up with me after this book is done. She's (laughs) never going to talk to me ever again. But thankfully, it was okay. The first couple questions really did get us to argue a little bit. We would answer the question and then... Divulge into different... Right, just... All of these subcategories Sub-topics. came up, and yeah, it actually caused a lot of arguments. You like but that they word? Were important. What Divulge? was that? Divulge. Divulge. Yeah. I do like it. I think I used it right. Text your mom. Ask her if that's the right way to use it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Anyway. But honestly, it's been very, very helpful for Seth and I. I mean, we've mm-hmm. already made a ton of commitments. Like, we are committed to this podcast. And if, God forbid, anything <laughs> happens to us, we have a whole 13 episodes out of me and you doing a, a podcast. A whole 13 episodes. <laughs> it sounds so much smaller when you say it like that. No, 13 is a lot. A lot of people give up after the first couple. But no, like, even before this book, we've had conversations about what marriage and engagement would look like. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we've talked to a lot of people in the church about it, which is very important. Like, definitely get feedback from your parents, older siblings, advisors, but people in the church are very, like, you want to have someone that you look up to in the church that is going to give you helpful advice because mm-hmm. they're going to be speaking from a spiritual perspective. Yeah, and that's a good point to make because you want to make sure that the friendships and mentorship uh, relationships you make are godly and not toxic, which kind of bring us into our next point. So, Miss Karina, if I could ask you. Uh, Stop you- calling me Miss Karina. I feel <laughs> like your teacher. Uh, so, um, Mrs. Miss Future Frankie. <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> In your opinion, what makes a toxic friend? Okay, well, first I want to start by saying that the word toxic is thrown around so heavily nowadays it's very frustrating with social media culture and people saying oh this is toxic that's toxic the word toxic is very very heavy just because I have an argument with my friend doesn't mean that he or she is toxic that's not what that means because people are flawed that's what it is people are flawed and just because they're flawed doesn't make them toxic no yeah that's a toxic and I don't even like to say toxic person 
because a lot of the times I don't know what's happening in their personal life to make them act like that. But that's mm-hmm. just a personal opinion. What I do think is toxic is certain relationships that are not 50-50, that are not fruitful and on a spiritual level. So what your question was, what makes a toxic person or mm-hmm. friendship? Okay, someone who does not resonate with me on an emotional level and doesn't recognize when they're being too much or not being enough, a friendship should be, the energy should be reciprocated. Mm. So I'm thinking about a certain relationship or a certain person. Like when the give and take is not 50-50. Right. So for the longest time, she would tell me all these details about her life. She would ask me to solve these problems for her. She was consistently trauma dumping on me and I want my friends I really want my friends to tell me their issues like I want to be a safe space for them but this was just an overload for me and anytime I had something to say about my personal life she didn't want to hear it so that type of relationship is toxic mm-hmm. no question mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that certain friendships definitely can be can be hold a weight on you and even if the person means well it can still be a toxic relationship as the bible says in first corinthians 15 33 it says do not be fooled by those who say such things bad company corrupts good character mm-hmm. now i think when the bible talks about this it doesn't necessarily just mean that like just outright bad people because you know there, there's a lot of bad people who obviously are toxic to you if you have a friend or someone in your life who is abusing you and manipulative and, and and has a very a very outwardly set of bad morals, yeah, they're probably a toxic friend. However, just because a friend doesn't outwardly have or you don't outwardly see it, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they that they aren't bad company. Now, this could have go anywhere from a friend who maybe you know is sad about a lot of things and just trauma dumps a lot. A friend who maybe gets a little more angry than they really should and asks you too much, asks too much of you, someone who expects too much of you, or it could even be other people in the body of Christ. True. And it could even be people in the body of Christ who are abusing the leadership that God has given them. Mm-hmm, of course. Oftentimes I think when you when, when you – when you think of corrupt people in the church, you think of people who, you know, like probably like televangelists most sure. of the time. You know, people who say, oh, I made this special water. And if you drink it, it'll it'll cleanse all of your wounds. Mm. That's not real. <laughs> uh, you know, or, or someone who says who they only talk, they talk so much about tithes and giving mm-hmm. when tithes and giving are important. But you should never. I recently just had a conversation with someone from work uh they mentioned how they went to church one Sunday and they felt that they couldn't give enough. Mm-hmm. That they couldn't give enough and they felt that they were almost pressured mm-hmm. by the church by saying, you, you know, give money, sign up for this and sign up for that. And it made them feel so awful that they couldn't go back to church for a while. Wow. I think so that's at least what happened. Mm. I might be wrong. Um, and so they felt really bad about not being able to give to church. When in reality, you know, most people can't. But that's not really your problem to necessarily be like if you can, if you're not giving any of your any of your money, that means you're, you're awful or something. Because what a person might not be able to give in money, in tithe, they might be trying to give in volunteer work. 
they might be trying to give in their praise in their showing up every Sunday, showing up to preach the word, showing up and bringing other people to the church. And I think people fo- I think when people focus too much on money in the church, that's a rough thing. Yeah. And you wanted to give a story as well? Oh yeah. So I knew a woman who lost her mom and uh, a while after the mom had passed, the daughter got a church from the call, <laughs> a church from the call, a call <laughs> from the church. And the, it was, I believe it was the pastor of the church that her mom had attended. And he said, listen, your mom, like he tried to give condolences, like we're grateful that your mom attended the church, but she didn't pay her portion of tithes. And so we're going to need you to, to pay them for her. And this was after she lost her mom. That enraged me when I heard it. That's ridiculous. Yep. See, but to get back to the friendship in particular, I think most of, I think that's where a lot of leadership, toxic leadership in the church is, through acts of money, through, uh, I'm not going to name any certain people, but through certain people when you see these really, really rich pastors who give you very basic uh, ideologies, very basic messages, and use that to almost swear your allegiance so strongly um, to the point where you believe, oh, this man is so wealthy, so rich, God's blessing him so much. I have to give him all my money because then I'll be rich as well. I'll be just as wealthy as him. I'll be just as successful as him. When in reality, they're just, they're, 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 they got a grip on your wallet and they're not letting go. You're not letting them, you're not let, but you don't want them to let go because to you, it's perfectly fine. Uh, but when we talk about, I think, toxic friendships in the church, I think that's when you get into gossip. Because let me tell you, Church people love to gossip. Church people love to gossip. I think many people many people get uh, confused with the idea of gossip because they believe, oh, but shouldn't I want to ask other people about in the church about what I should do for this? That's one thing. But when it comes to when you're gossiping and saying, oh, this person did this and they're not doing this and they're not doing that, you know, it says in the Bible to um, not speak of things that ungodly people say in their spare time. You know, I think that's the verse. Um, don't in 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 secret. Don't talk about what uh, other ungodly people talk about. Uh, I think I might be mistaking the verse, but uh, basically, if someone is sinning, messing up, your first instinct shouldn't be to go to Sally down the street, you know, and be like, "Hey, this person is not giving their money in church. This person's not doing this in church." Right. In fact, you know what? I heard. That I think he left his wife. I actually heard that there might be another woman in his life. Mm-hmm. I actually heard that he might have done this to this woman. He might be stealing this from that person. That's the type of stuff that I think makes toxic relationships in church out of church people. Right. Gossip is, I think, the biggest offender of church hurt and church toxic church friendships. That's so good because gossip is honestly something that's really, really overlooked in the church. Mm-hmm. Like we can talk all day about all types of sexual immorality and, um, you know, the way you need to get your mentality right with God and addiction. We can talk about all of that, but no one wants to talk about gossip, which is so heavy in the church. Mm -hmm. No one gossips better than Christians, Mm -hmm. seriously. And we need to stop. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we try to justify it, too. Like, I know for me, gossip is something that's really hard for me because I think as a people pleaser and as someone who needs other people's validations, whenever I have an opinion on something, I want to tell someone else so that they can have the same reaction as I do 
And then if they have the same reaction as me, then I feel better about myself. It's a weird cycle that mm -hmm. I figured out. But anyways, that's always been something that I struggled with. And so I will justify me gossiping by saying something like, oh, well, I just, I'm, you, I'm iron sharpening iron. I'm spending time with my friend and being honest and vulnerable about how I feel. And I, God tells me to be honest, so I got to be honest about all this knowledge that I have. No, that's not okay. <laughs> that's really not okay. Because yeah. it is promoting and creating new gossip that is always harming someone else. Always. And gossip eventually ends up turning others against each other. And in particular, causing, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Causing sabotage amongst certain church members. Yes. Um, and, and I think oftentimes another form of toxic church relationships and toxic church congregations comes in the form of really discarding one of their own, uh, one of one, someone who's part of the flock, you know? Oftentimes, I think that when people mess up in the church, there is immediately, you know, a scarlet letter put on top of them. You have these people who they'll come in and, and they'll say to you, oh, I love you so much. I'm so glad to see you at church. So glad to see you here. And then as soon as you mess up with whatever it is, or if a certain addiction you might be struggling with, or if a certain thing from your past comes up and everyone and everyone feels a certain type of way about it, you know, even if you've changed and you come to, to the Christ, uh, oftentimes people will still put you in this box and maybe even discard you. When in reality, it says in Corinthians that um, if one part suffers, all parts suffer. If one part is glad, all parts are glad. Um, all of you are together in Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. When we have a brother or a sister in Christ who fails or falls or is struggling, oftentimes we try to we try to pretend we're being there for them when in reality we're just telling them, "Oh, we'll we'll pray for you." And then you never do. You never see them again, you know. <sighs> the whole family mentality in church oftentimes gets really muddled and really really uh really wishy-washy because we'll say that to certain people, and in reality then if they don't show up to church for a little while, no one will, you'll bring that person up, you'll, they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember them. You remember them. You should be, you told them, you're the one who told them, oh yeah, we're family. Yeah, I, I love you so much and I want to be here for you as much as I can. When in reality, you only really said that because you want to make yourself feel better. That's a good point. But going off of that, I do feel like there is a toxic trait that's that, I know I have this where it's like you feel like you want to be there for everyone. And so you tell everyone, hey, I'm a safe space. I can be here for you. Just tell me what you need and I'll do it for you. And you're kind of becoming a doormat then for people mm -hmm. to take advantage or walk all over you. Don't get me wrong. It is biblical and so important to lay your life down for others and embrace others who are who are uh, hurting. But to announce to everyone in your church family that you are their safe space, you are their therapist, essentially, that's not healthy. And mm. I think that can, so that's why I think going back to way earlier, when we were talking about friendship, you need to have like two or three absolute godly best friends mm. um, who I think you can share everything with, who you can grow in your relationship with Christ with. And then you can of course have other friends, but when you try to be close with everyone and you think that God wants you to be close with everyone, 
that's not, I don't think that that's biblical personally. Yeah. And the, and even going as far just out of the church and go into normal friendships that are toxic, you probably can tell when a normal friendship is toxic. And even sometimes it's even harder at times because, well, I think it can be really hard either way because with church relationships that are toxic, it's sometimes hard to tell because you're like, oh, this is the church. Is it, are they toxic or do I just not want to be like them? And I'm struggling because I don't, I'm, I'm, am I not a good Christian? I think the idea of, of feeling like you're not a good Christian is a really big tactic that a lot of toxic Christians use to consume other, other people who want to follow. But when you're not a, if it's not a Christian friendship uh, that you have, oftentimes you'll see them as, oh, there's so much more I can do with them. You know, That's there's wrong. so much more yeah. I can do with, uh, with, with Christians or, or with people who aren't Christians because they don't have the same restrictions I do. And so I can be like this around them. I can do these things around them. I can say these things around them and act out these certain fantasies with them because they're not going to condemn me. I don't have to, you know, they're not going to tell me that I have to repent. I don't have to pray about it. And I think oftentimes if you're in a toxic non-Christian relationship, you probably will lose that faith aspect in your life quicker than quicker than you you think you would. Right. And it's completely fine and you should be friends with all types of people. You shouldn't be friends with just people of your beliefs because how are you going to have productive conversation? Differences in especially in religion or culture that's very important. Mm-hmm. And your goal should never be I'm going to save this person because mm. Jesus does the saving. But like me and you have mutual friends that of course are non-believers and we love them and we embrace them. And also all of our conversations aren't about religion. We hope that one day maybe they'll come to church with us or whatever, but it's not our responsibility. Like we love them regardless because God loves them. And so we have friends all across the board of different beliefs, but I think our core friendship should be people who are encouraging you in Christ. Mm-hmm. I think also having a, a great godly friend is a person that you can have fun with without feeling guilty about the fun you're having with them. Mm-hmm. A friend that you can talk freely with and you can be yourself with without feeling like you're being too much or, or feeling like you're being ungodly in some regards. I think also having good friends is having good accountability friends as well. Having good friends for accountability. I have a few of those. I do like, you know, I have a couple of friends and like one of my best friends it also happens to help me a lot with accountability. And they also just happen to be a really great friend and a godly friend and a person who really fears God. They help me a lot oftentimes when I have my certain questions and I'm able to help them too when they have their certain questions. Friends like that are able to pour into you and you're also able to pour into them as well. The give and take is 50-50. And it's less than just giving and taking. It's more just receiving and, and, and having a need, you know. It, it, yeah, that, that's how I feel. That was well said. There's so much more I feel like we could talk about on this subject. Yeah. But those I feel like that's a pretty solid summary of how we feel about toxicity, friendship, mentorship. Do you have any final thoughts? I think that if I think for certain people, if you're trying to find good friends, I think that one of the best things to do is for one, I know we're all a bunch of introverts here. You gotta talk to people, man. That is one of the hardest things an introvert to do. You got to get into your church and you got to talk to people. Like this this past year, I started doing it. Let me tell you, 
it was hard and not easy and scary because people are scary. However, (laughs) however, 100%. However, I don't regret it because I've met some incredibly great mentors, some good friends, some people that I really just enjoy being around and some pretty some pretty awesome people who really lift me up. Um, And I would have never had the appreciation for the church I'm at if I weren't to have done that. And I really, I just really enjoy the church congregation that I'm part of. And they really, that church congregation really embodies to me what a healthy uh, family-like church environment is like. So, yeah. But, you know, friend-wise, there's a lot of people there that that I love. A lot of other friendships that I enjoy a lot more because I have found myself reaching out more to certain people. And part of being an introvert, yes. I do still get very nervous and it's still really hard to have big conversations, but getting past that first roadblock of actually going over and talking, there are so many people who you might never meet because you never get past that roadblock. And that is something that I think most people should try to get past because there's some pretty good people out there who aren't going to come to you. Don't be the toxic friend or mentor. People aren't toxic. Traits are toxic. And relationships are toxic. That's how I feel. Okay. Do you agree or disagree with that? I mean, but like, well, I guess so, because I think anyone who's toxic can seek out therapy to become not toxic or seek out wise counsel. Because sometimes people who are toxic, I feel like oftentimes when you have toxic friends, they might not even know that they're toxic, you know? But that's my whole thing. I don't think they, as people, are toxic. I think yeah. their traits are. I do think there's some people who do it on purpose, though. Yeah. That are genuinely toxic. Look at people. us getting back into conversation again. <laughs> we got to go. But thank you guys for listening. And we will be yeah. back next week on Tuesday, yep. March something. Yep. Love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. Bye, old bodies. Bye.